0: You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Good day to you, beloved, and welcome once again to another edition of Doctrine and Duty. Brian Ray here. Uh, Today, I want to share with you about the doctrine of sin. I was thinking about the subject matter of theology and where it would be a good place to kind of start some doctrinal um, concepts and thoughts, and I thought, let's, let's go to kind of uh, the issue at hand with our humanity, our hearts, uh, indeed our nature, and how all of that also affects and influences our choices. And so the doctrine of sin, we believe as conservative believers, we believe that we are sinners by nature and by choice. We believe that we sin because we are sinners, and that is the correct order. We do not believe that our sinning causes us to become sinners. We have already become sinners whenever we entered into uh, life. So, whenever we were born, we were born into sin. We were born sinners, and because we are by nature sinners, we do sin. Now, the Scripture teaches us in Romans three twenty three that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is a verse of Scripture that's used in evangelism, the Romans Road. It's used in all sorts of other um, areas and avenues of evangelism, but it is one that is primary and fundamental in the doctrine of sin. All have sinned. And fallen short of God's glory. We've all missed the mark. Uh, We are not perfect. We are sinners and we sin. Another passage of Scripture that is very informative and enlightening is Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Depravity. The total depravity of man that teaches us that our nature is is such a sinful state that there is nothing good within us. Sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Sounds pretty hopeless. Well, let's look at another scripture passage, and then we'll go back to Romans where we'll find our hope after a little more of the sin in Isaiah fifty three verse six, the prophet Isaiah in the this exalted suffering servant passage, the prophet Isaiah says, "All we like sheep have gone astray; we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all." The Lord being the Father, the Him being the Son, so the Father has laid on the Son the sin or the iniquity of us all. Going back to Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The verse that usually follows that in presenting the gospel or in conversations about salvation and evangelism is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So our sinful nature and our sinning by choice deserve death. So we as sinners, we deserve to die. We deserve to be physically dead. We deserve to be spiritually dead. We deserve to be eternally dead. That's what we deserve. That's what we should get. And yet in Romans 6:23, even though the wages of sin is death, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's powerful. And then In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. But then it says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that salvation is in Christ alone, that comes following closely on the heels of this desperate situation of sin and depravity that we find ourselves in. So let's go back to the two topics, or subtopics rather, of the doctrine of sin and that is that we sin by nature first of all and then secondly we sin by choice let's let's take it in reverse order by choice so that means we consciously decide to do the wrong thing to do sinful stuff we consciously decide to think the wrong thing to think sinful stuff We say the wrong things, we think the wrong things, we do the wrong things. We are sinners who sin by choice. Uh, No one forces us to sin. It comes to us quite naturally, but then we choose it. There are things that we choose to do that we know are wrong, and then there are things that we know to do that are right that we don't do. So when it comes to the sins of choice, there are sins of omission, which are the things that we should be doing but we choose not to because we're rebels by nature. And then there are the things that we choose to do that are sinful. So there're sins of omission and sins of commission. Now, when do those choices, when do those sins of omission and commission, when do they come into play in our lives? Great question. Um, and and I, would, I would definitely say childhood. Um, many parents would argue for toddler years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, babies come into this world screaming and kicking. And um, hopefully, spiritually, uh, the gospel changes all of that later on in life. But uh, there comes a time when the selfishness takes over and the pride of sinful man takes over. And... Not long after the toddler years or during the toddler years, children begin to choose to sin. Okay, so I, w- I would say early childhood as far as the by choice. What about, what's the win for by nature? Great question. So if we are sinners by nature, if we believe we are born into sin, that means that that is our nature that we were born with. So that happens the moment that we enter into uh, life on planet Earth. So. If we sin by nature, where did we get it from? Uh, That's a very good question. So we believe in an inherited sin nature. And uh, when did that happen? Well, again, it happens at birth. But prior to that, what was the situation or the scenario that launched us into a sinful state or a sinful nature? Great question. Again, glad you asked. Genesis chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, "'Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made.'" And we understand the serpent is the form that Satan has chosen to embody in this text. So we're talking about Satan, the devil. He says to the woman, "'Did God really say, "'You shall not eat of any tree in the midst of the garden?' And the woman said to the serpent, "'We may eat of the tr- of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, "'You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden.'" Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan deceives and tempts and says things that are untrue to try to persuade the woman. And we find out it wasn't just the woman that he was trying to deceive and persuade. Verse six says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. There's a lot going on there uh, that goes back to the family, the home and uh, the servant spiritual leadership of the father, the husband. And he was with her the entire time and his job was to protect her. And his job was to delineate the standards and the truthfulness and the veracity and the authority of the word of God in their lives, and he chose to cower down and lay down and do nothing. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin cloths. That's always been a fun word to say. Loin. <laughs> The man said, "Uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So conservative theological Christianity believes that from that moment forward, every person who was ever born except the Lord Jesus Christ inherited a sin nature. So the doctrine of sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. There's none righteous, no, not one. Everyone is turned to his own way and following his own direction. But then we have the, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then we have the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, the doctrine of sin, we are totally depraved. There's nothing good within us until until Christ comes to dwell within our lives. And so the only hope for sinful humanity, sinners, humans who sin by nature and by choice, sinners who have no good within them, sinners who are depraved, our only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. But our hope, hallelujah, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He can change everything. He takes death and turns it into life. He takes darkness and turns it into light. He takes lostness and turns it into salvation. He takes captivity and sets people free. Glory to God. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my prayer that you would turn away from your sin by nature and by choice. Turn away from that sinfulness and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask Him to forgive you and rescue you, and He will do so. By His grace, for His glory, and certainly for your spiritual and eternal benefit. Hey, listen, I love you. It's been great to be with you. Uh, The podcasts are going to go to one time a week, and they're going to be longer. So hopefully you noticed on this one that it is longer this time. So anyways, uh, God bless you. I love you. And hey, join us at Alexander Baptist Church online or in person. Take care. Goodbye. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. and find us online at abch.org.